Welcome into the High Yellow Podcast. I am your host, David West, and I have a special guest sitting across from me today. Uh, I had the privilege of being a student of his back in 2016 at Prairie View A&M University. Um, I'll just introduce him, man. Franklin Collins, man. How you doing? I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. I appreciate you for having me. Man, I appreciate you being here, man, especially with all the circumstances, everything going on, man. Uh, obviously, I reached out to you March, around March, tried to get you, tried to set up a little conversation there at PV, man, to come uh, holler at you because I hadn't seen you in about three, four years, man. Obviously, the pandemic stuff took over, man, and we wasn't able to get that popping. But, uh, man, it's great to have you here, man. And uh, appreciate it. Again, man, one of the things, uh, one of the most precious things I took from being a student of yours, man, was the way you were able to really uh, intertwine real-life concepts and real-life, uh, just real life ideals and real life situations and have that intertwined with math which is uh, to me in my opinion bro it's like an art form man and the way you're able to do that man and uh, yeah so I really appreciate well math is a math is a universal language you know math, math is in everything that you do so um, as a teacher you have to more so find ways to reach your audience just sure. like a performer just like a comedian or anybody else so um perfecting a craft over a period of time you know what i mean finding what conversations engage students what stories engage students because uh the way our brain works it operates by by memory and you believe it or not when you sit back and think about a lot of things there was a certain song that attached a memory to you or a certain story that attached a memory to you so if i can find a way to attach a memory to a mathematical equation Mm. then I don't have to worry about you forgetting that equation. Certainly, <laughs> certainly man. You do it a beautiful way, man. Again, uh, I can't uh, emphasize this enough, and we'll get more on the teaching aspects in a couple minutes. But, uh, yeah, the way you were able to do that, so it was it was beautiful, man, and I really appreciate being a student of yours. Obviously, I wanted you to be on this podcast because uh, we just talked about it, man. You're open canvas, man, really uh, very transparent with your students, very transparent, man, all together, man. And again, man, really happy to have you, man. Nah, no problem. Thanks for man. sure, man. Um, so I guess to get started, man, I feel like I'd almost be doing a disservice to not only you but uh, the people who support this platform that I'm sto- I'm sort of establishing. It's not a big platform by any means, but it's something, man. And I would want to start off by discussing kind of what's going on in the world today, man. Obviously, uh, I look at it as two separate uh, disasters, quite frankly, man. Obviously, we touched on the pandemic a little bit, but then uh, racial injustice, man. Two two scenarios that are both disproportionately killing our community, right. you know. So, yeah, man, and I I really wanted to get your get your thoughts on this, man, and uh, let you break it down, man, and um, see what you're kind of seeing. Well, when you think about it, it's a uh, it's a lot of things going on at once. Um, uh, it's, it's really a systematic distraction, you know, um, when, and we can start with the, uh, with the epidemic, you know, with the coronavirus. Um, knowing the origin of things makes you understand things a lot better, understanding that the coronavirus A and B have been here. Um, those are, it's an animal virus. And so, you know, where A affects the, the, the birds and things like that, and B affects your cows and stuff like that. So, um, but as it's been manipulated, you know, as they took four strands from the um, HIV virus and attached it to this coronavirus, which is the mm-hmm. reason what made it um, I didn't able know that. to attach to humans. Okay. So 
when we dig a little bit deeper to know where it comes from, hence the reason why the symptoms, because if you notice that the um, it attacks the HIV virus attacks naturally the immune system, yes. you know, so there's no surprise that this virus, uh, uh, um, you know, is attacking the immune system. But um, one of the one of the things we also want to pay attention to because we've had viruses every we can go back over a period of time from bird flu, swine flu. Um, SARS, you know, you name it. We've, we've been through it. It's not our first, yeah, you know, it, it's not our first rodeo. Um, and there's a, a a design for these things because they always tend to happen around elections. Mm. Um, even with this issue that we have with um, with, with Big Floyd, um, him being from Houston, graduated from Yates, played football, you know, was on a um, screw mixtape. Um, I mean, his his connection to Houston is tremendous. And um, when we look at the things that have happened to him and the extenuating circumstances, like there's no reason to kneel on somebody's neck for nine minutes. 100% agree with you. You know what I mean? That, like, there's there's no justification for that. But this isn't the first time this ha- has happened. Um, mm. This is probably just the first time it's been recorded. Mm. You know, um, a lot of the racism and stuff that we see today now on Facebook and Instagram is really to incite an emotional response. Um, but what happened this time was the timing of the event has actually aligned up with everything that they're trying to do because the and this is just my opinion of, of course, course of course you know what I mean yeah, of but course. um I, I believe that they're in a process of enacting martial law okay. you know what I mean so we bring in the national guards with the riots that's going on right now and one of the major ways that we can get that to occur is if the police that you have in your state can't control the people in it you know, and mm-hmm. so you start thinking about it and the protests have been peaceful, but we don't know about the people that have infiltrated the protest. People that dress like them, but don't look like you and don't have your intentions, mm. you know, and and you, if you've seen some of the events they posted on the Internet of people that have all the wrong intentions, you know, um, but for the most part, um, the protest has been peaceful, but it's going to have a positive change. That's one of the things that that I sense from this is that um, the people are going to have to come together. For sure. And just like with HPD, they're they're more so trying to show a presence as we're here with you. You know, it's it's not a it's not a oh we're not letting them protest. Oh no, we're we're march with you. We understand your pain. We understand your agony. Yeah. Um, but then you go back like three four years in when Colin Kaepernick was taking the knee for the same stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? 100%. So it's, um, it's just a design, you know. Um, and what we have to do as people is control our emotional response. Um, the the people that, the things that we need to do is vote for the right people. You know, a lot of people concern themselves with Trump when Trump's a figurehead, if you know any business, because, of course, the United States is a corporation. It's not really a country. Um, we have, a, the president is a figurehead. The Who really runs stuff is the board. But we don't pay attention to when the legislative votes or when, you know, when the judicial system or when, you know, the electoral college. Um, those aren't the ones that we participate in. Just like right now, like if I was to um, ask the average person, um, when are the primaries? I wouldn't know. Right. And so we got about. And I don't know. That's we got the, about, what, the, nine to ten states that's having their primaries within these next three or four days. 
So mm-hmm. in the midst of everything that's going on. So how can wow. you tell me that these people are going to be focused on making the right change if they're focused on marching in the streets? 100%. I, I definitely want a lot to unpack there. Uh, definitely want to break down the voting aspect of all this and how important that is. Because even myself, as a 22-year-old, I don't even understand the importance of voting. And again, I want to use this platform to have people like you on to break this down for me, the significance of it. Um, let me see. Um, I guess the the protest, uh, you touched on that a little bit, man. And I, I feel like that's for me, that's the the scariest part about it regarding Trump is he's kind of, he hasn't made an official he hasn't ma- pinpointed what the it, the problem is mm-hmm. that's plaguing uh that's plaguing us and I I don't know if you saw he, him attack the uh they they uh they tear gassed the peaceful protest in front of the White House and again I, I'm just maybe I'm. Maybe I'm being too optimistic, man, but I, I, I'm waiting for the leader of the country to provide insight as to what's happening and really not do- dodge around or hide behind any curtains, man, and kind of pinpoint. But I guess that's me being an optimist. Well, uh, you're more so basically saying you're asking for a zebra to wear spots. Um, <laughs> it's, you yeah. can't expect him to do something that he hasn't done. Of course. Um, hits his, um, how can I put this? A lot of this stuff is just all a part of the the plan. You got to understand the the real agenda is depopulization. Mm. Um, and if we dig a little bit deeper, um, you can notice it's really about the eradication of, of the black male um, that's constantly been attacked. So why do you expect them to speak up when a black man dies? See, it's it's the same thing with Colin Kaepernick. Okay. If if I go and I pick him up on my team, they're saying that I value a black man's life more than his money. See, that's something that they're never going to say. They haven't even changed in the Constitution to tell us that we're more than three-fifths of a person. Mm. There, there's a, a lot of things that we have to understand that are systematically created. But we're not attacking the laws. We're attacking the people. So... And if you notice, we can go back in history and we'll notice marching and marching and marching. And, and of course, I know that, you know, the civil rights bill was passed about eight, eight, what about six or seven days after Martin Luther King. Yes. And, you know, of all the writings and yes. stuff like that. Um, and I'm not saying that positive things don't occur from what's what's happening right now. Yeah, I know what you I said you're optimistic say, about Right. What I can say is it's a cyclical nature. And, and until... We truly educate ourselves on about how this system works. We're going to always respond in the same manner to the point where it's predictable. Mm. See, when you are predictable, you can be manipulated. It's almost how they'll show you footage on Facebook or something that happened two years ago, but they'll be replaying it and replaying it and replaying it like it just happened yesterday. But when you finally do your research about it, you'll be like, oh, this happened in 2018. Oh, this happened in early 2019. Mm. But they're inciting your emotional response to it. You know, and but what you can notice if you paid attention, you'll notice when Colin Kaepernick took the knee, the only people that was messing with him was Nike. Nike stock shot up. Yep. Nike stock shot up after supporting Colin Kaepernick. Now I want you to look at all the people, all the companies that that went blackout yesterday. 
in support of Black Lives Matter. No, black lives don't matter. Your pocketbooks matter. You realize that if we don't support you because black people are the economical change, when we change who we spend our money with, we have an adversely effect to everything else that goes on. We touch more money than any other race. The only difference is our money leave our community after three times around. In the Jewish community, it go around seven times. Mm. And that breaks down what we were talking about a few minutes ago, the generational wealth and the exactly. cumulative disadvantage toward people of color. Exactly. Man. Um, just to double back, mm-hmm. the voting, man. Um, I I sit here as a 22 year old, and I I couldn't tell you when the primaries were, man. And I feel like me acknowledging that is, in a, I would hope that's me doing my part to know that I need to, I need to be more informed. I need to read up. I need to be educated, man. And again, that's why I have people like you on here, man. So the importance of voting, man, because I hear that a lot, and I. I, I want to understand it as well Well it's crazy Because um, I feel like It's more than just Showing up and I, Placing a vote it, it needs to be educated And you need to know Who you're uh, I voted for. I voted for the first time Probably like two years ago Ever in life Wow And I had the same viewpoint That you had Like I don't understand The importance of this voting mm. You know I I, I knew like I, I know everything. It's fifty, you know, two two from each. It's hundred senators, two from each state. You know, four hundred thirty-five House of Representatives. Like I know all the information, but as far as sitting here and observing what I've seen over my period of life and noticing the change of voting, I never could see it. Um, but um, it took me going through a, um, a process of uh, when I got into graduate school. I was finishing up my second master's, and. Um, I joined an organization called Groove I Groove Social Fellowship Incorporated. And it's a social fellowship that really um, was created in 1962 based off the foundation of really um, what's going on right now. But you think about what's going on in 1962, Black Panther Party, things of that moving, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, true support of, of the black movement, 100% African organization, 0% Greek. Okay. And I feel like that's real crucial because of how the Greeks have perverted. And we can get to that, you know, at another yeah, moment. Yeah. But... Um, through that process, um, I end up understanding the importance of voting because every organization votes. Mm. I don't care. You, you voted in school more than you voted anywhere else, whether you voted for how many, what we going to have for lunch, what we going to, you know <laughs> what I mean? From the smallest things all the way to the big things, there's a vote. And I was uh, teaching uh, contemporary math um, a year and a half ago, and we started teaching um, apportionment. And apportionment is basically how votes are calculated. Mm. And it goes back from the original time, how they voted with George Washington and how the voting evolved into the Hamilton rules until, you know, all these different type of um, voting techniques. Okay. Um, and you'll find out that votes can be manipulated based off the test that's being used. So we have to make sure that it's biased or unbiased. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Um, but the importance of voting is... That's the way that the system is made. See, the only way you can get somebody out of office if they're elected into a eternal place of position is by voting. The only place that only time you can be heard is you have to filibuster. You have to go to these places and you have to ho- like you have to play their game. So when we say we don't vote, we're basically saying, you know what? Y'all can do what y'all want to do, but I'm going to have a problem with it either way it go. Mm. So when you don't vote, you don't have a voice. Because what you don't realize is when we say one vote matters, it's not necessarily your one vote. We're basically saying that if your community 
Because if you don't vote in your community, I promise you I can find you a whole bunch of other people that don't vote in your community. Of course. Because whether we realize it or not, we are products of our environment. So birds of a feather flock together. If I ask you about your friends and ask you how many of your friends vote, you feel what I'm saying? That's yeah. going to be like asking you, do you have any white friends? Mm. You see what I'm saying? Or asking a white person, do they have any black friends? They're going to have to start thinking and counting them on their finger. You know mm. what I mean? It won't be as in a mass majority. So what we have to do is understand that, one, voting is crucial if we want to make changes in America. But we got to make sure they change laws and not bills. And that's that's crucial to understand the difference because like it's kind of like the stimulus. That was a bill. Mm. There wasn't a law. Laws are permanent. Bills are temporary. Mm. They pacify you with bills while they changing laws up under you. Like right now with the uh, the sensory act that's going on with the uh, Internet, because that's where they're attacking now your First Amendment rights. But they're about to have a vote on that. But nobody knows because we're so wrapped up in what's going on in the media because who controls the media? It's only it's three companies that control all your news outlets. See, now we're getting into the Bilderberger groups. Now we're getting into the people that really control America because it's not Donald Trump. Um, he was chosen because, just think about it, we went from George W. Bush, all right? Single-handedly, a lot of people may view as one of the worst presidents we've, we've encountered. You know, uh-huh. every, every business that he's ever had in his life has failed. You know, first C-plus student to probably ever become president. Hmm. You feel what I'm saying? We went from him. To a black man, outrageous in their eyes. Like, how dare you mm. put a black man and let him run his country for eight years? Now, it's not like Obama was 40,000 times better than Bush. Your hood looked the same way when Bush was in office, the same way it did when Obama was in office. It didn't change. It just made you feel better to see somebody that looked like you run the country. Yeah. It was an emotional response. But then we dig a little bit further. And we find out that how, what's the opposite of after having a black person come and fix some stuff? I got They wasn't about to allow no woman to run the country. We talking about white men. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about black people point of view. We're not talking about the Latino point of view. We're not talking about their uh, other point of view. We're talking about the white man's point of view. They're not. They don't even allow a woman to run their household. How they gonna allow a woman to run the country? So we knew Hillary wasn't gonna make it. Then you look what's left. Well, Trump. Hmm. Trump represents every view that every white person wants to say out loud. Trump says it out loud. The the hence the reason why you never hear him speak out. How does he talk about those very good people that are protesting compared to the thugs that are out there protesting? You already know which race he's talking about based off the connotation that he uses. Of course. So um and even to the point, this is why voting for your representatives are crucial because, yeah, um, Trump didn't win the, the popularity vote, you know, because your vote for the president is really a popularity vote. It has nothing yeah. to do with who's the actual um, president's going to be. And I think 2016 was a great uh, indication of that. Yeah, because the electoral college. Out, yeah, but. because your electoral college is, um, is the one who yeah. selects the president. So. Hence the reason why the representatives that you had come out of your community still voted for Trump, even though okay. you felt, 
you know. So if I was to, you know, so voting is definitely crucial, but voting on your local level, um, like in your community, for your judges, for your DAs, for for the people that um, definitely affect your community is crucial. Because you complaining about why he got locked up for he had a gram of weed and he got this and this person got this. Well, that's the DA. Okay. You need to get a better DA in there. Or you need to get a better judge in there. The local the local votes are where you see immediate impact. Exactly. That affect you on the day to day. Because I feel like Correct. that's why maybe we're hesitant or we don't see the importance of it. Because we don't see those effects transpired right in front of our eyes, right? It takes a... However long it takes to get processed, but again, your emphasis on local, you know, those right. things that affect you right then and there, and you're smacking you in your face, like what's gonna happen next? Well, right? and to be honest, um, a lot of things can happen right in your face. Um, and I'll give you an example. Imagine you have, a, um, you got two po- um, two painters, and they're drawing a um, they're drawing a park, and there's a homeless man sleeping on the bench. Okay. So the homeless man sleeping on the bench outside the park, right? You got one painter that paints the homeless man, you got the other painter that paints the park. They're both looking at the same image. Mm. I can't make you see the better side of things. If you want to see pain, you're going to see pain. That's why he painted the homeless man. Wow. If you, if you want to see if you want to see gains, you want to see pleasure, you want to see all that, that's, then see that because that's what he saw when he painted the park and didn't paint the homeless man. So... I can't control what you see or what you view. The key thing is this is, and and a lot of this has to do with uh, your, I believe, your religious ties. And when I say religious ties, it's to mean what you practice every day. Um, When we learn to control our, our thoughts and control our tongue, we'll have a better understanding of how everything works. If we observe nature more than we observe people, we will understand how we all need to work cohesively for things to work. Hmm. Let me to go off that. I guess you kind of you reference how voting. Your first time voting graduate school, um, and the stuff you're saying now. As I approach graduate school, I, these are things I'm thinking about. How can I uh, use my words as powerful? How can I uh, eloquently state my my stances on things? Uh, I guess for you, because I grad school around that twenty twenty. Right. Around that twenty mid early twenties, right? right? Is that really where it all took place for you? Where you kind of, where you were able to understand how to voice your concerns on things, how to educate yourself properly on certain matters? Um, to be honest, uh, that started well before that. Okay. Um, my upbringing after um, after my father and sister uh, passed away and my mother was incarcerated. I was adopted by my uncle. And um, I was having a lot of trouble in school, elementary school. I went to five different elementaries. Um, and my last stop was E.A. Jones, not E.A. Jones, but uh, Imani. is a school that they have out here um, in, okay. in Houston. And the school at the time really focused on con- teaching you how to control your voice. Meaning, like, I understand that you got something to say, but let me teach you how to say it. Mm. Um, instead of saying, um, instead of coming out and just giving an example, instead of coming out and calling somebody a hoe, you can call him a scalawag. Now, a scalawag is just a 14th century hoe, but it, it sounds a lot better in the conversation. 
instead yeah. of coming off aggressively calling somebody. You get what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. Definitely. Learning how to communicate and then they used to always put me in places where I had to publicly speak you know what I mean where if they had TV presentation a new past at the church you know one of them type of things so um, I was kind of bred for speaking to the masses in mm-hmm. a sense um, but I think a lot of things have to go in line with finding out who you are um, as far as your voice um, because like we go and it goes back to really numbers um, because when you really look at everybody was born under some sun, some moon, some star, yeah. some set. And they, even when you look in the text, when you look in the Bible, you look in Quran, or you look in, you know, all of these holy texts, um, the Torah, you, you'll find out that the first thing that this creator created was the stars, the, you know, the, the, the moons, everything else. So when we, we, we think about that, there's a science to this stuff. You know, they call it numerology. They call it, you know what I mean? And when okay. we get into the the numerology of you and you start finding these numbers and how they align to you, you start to get a better understanding of who you are and how you operate. And it'll be eerie on how close some of this stuff is to you. So what I would what I would encourage you to do is begin a journey into self. Um, tearing away all of these um programs you have to deprogram yourself um i i couldn't agree with you more uh i if you know me man i deactivate my social media very often man right. and that's just my way of disconnecting and that started around uh 2017 man i and that's just me trying to disconnect from the all the nuances that comes with uh being a with, that with being in tune with social media cuz it can consume you and it can uh in situations like this, it can break you down. Uh, well, yeah, uh, you know. So, and that's kind of a couple of years ago. I, I feel like that's when I started to forge the project, the process of me kind of finding myself and taking the time to, like, um, not to go on a little tangent, man, yeah, but I, but uh, obviously, I when I set out and I uh, left uh, Prayer View, man, that was I, I withdrawed and I took that semester kind of to sit around and kind of really mm-hmm. get in tune with myself, man, how I was feeling, man, and. Uh, uh, I really feel like that was, for me at least, that was powerful, man, because it put a lot of things into perspective, man. And I've, I've always encouraged people, man, take a, uh, if you feel necessary to take a semester off from college <laughs> or take time away. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, uh, man. But uh, well, uh, school, um, like I say, one college isn't for everyone. That's yeah, first and foremost. Yeah, yeah. Anything you learn in college, you can go learn in a library. Um, what you're really going to school for is to get that rectangle. To get that other rectangle yeah so you're going to get that diploma so you can get that dollar so it's really you just need to have a plan yeah. a lot of people go to college because their parents told them to a lot 100%. of people go to college because they feel like well that's the next thing to do after high school um and you'll come to find out some of the most successful people in in the world never went to college yeah. you know what i mean and one of the and the company that i'm in um mr d.l woods didn't go to college but He's bringing in $25,000 a month, you know, so you have to ask yourself, you know what I mean? What is your purpose for going to college? You know, uh, for me, it was more of a this is what you're supposed to do. Um, That's the reason my first semester I was a 1.67 because what am I here? 
what am I doing? What is the purpose of this? All I saw was a whole bunch of females and a whole bunch of time to get to know these females. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, that, that's how I viewed sure, it, you know, sure. but it wasn't until uh, my mother passed away um, in 2005. Okay. Um, I got the Prairie View in 2003, went to Tennessee State in 2002 once I left there. Um and when my mother passed away, one of the last things I told her is that I, you know, um, that I finished school. And so that's what kind of got me back on the track. And, you mm -hmm. know, and I finished up about four years after that with my undergrad. So, um, but taking time off, definitely. Like I tell people that all the time, like school ain't going nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Like the school not going nowhere. That's one thing that's guaranteed in this nation. Mm. Because where you get programmed at? School. They got to program you. Uh, see what I'm saying? No, so, yeah, so if, if that's the case, and this is the reason why, if you look at um, some of your other nationalities, when they finish high school, they travel, travel to this country, travel to this country, because they're getting culture. Mm. They're learning about the world around them outside of the textbook that they were given. But we don't have the resources for that, and in our community, they don't give us no loan. We can't get a loan to travel, but you can definitely get a loan to go to school. They'll give a black man a loan to go to school before they give him a loan to get to get get a business. Of course. So it's almost where they force us to. If you don't see these other ways of making money, they force you into the system. Man, it's a lot of things unpacked there. I'm trying to. I'm trying not to jump around too much, man. Um, the importance of having multiple revenue streams. Because we talked a little bit about stocks and the yeah. exchange, and uh, kind of get your take on the importance of that, man. Well, you you think about it if if you um, have read any any books about financial literacy, that's um, and yes. I'll start in our community first before I get to yep. the cash flow. But in in the in the the black community, um, that's one thing we lack. Like we got the 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 world's greatest survival skills. If you notice, ain't no black people jumped out a window during this epidemic. Just think about it. You know, financial market crashed. Well, no black people killing themselves because we're mm. natural survivors. Mm. So we don't have a problem surviving. But what we do have a problem with doing is managing money because it's something that we typically didn't have. So That's you powerful. can't. Yeah. So you can't. You can't really expect your parents to educate you about something that they weren't taught. So you have to have a natural desire to want to become literate financially. Yeah, that that um, that definitely resonates with me uh, personally, man. Um, again, when I set out, that's kind of in 2017. That's kind of when I set out to get financial literate, like you mm -hmm. said. Uh, that's when I started educating myself on student loans, man, and how. For then, I was already down in debt because yeah. I I my um, I'm a first generation college student, like you said. So uh, my parents didn't have the tools to understand how does debt accumulates yeah. and how you. We're signing things that we're not uh, properly educating ourselves how to do it, and yeah, it definitely hits home for me, man. Because until I sat out, that's when I really started to look at, oh wow, this is how much I'm interest I'm incurring and how much uh, how much of a hole I'm essentially putting myself in. And it took me sitting out again to. to and really we'll talk that. about, um, and I'll hit on debt in a second. Okay. Um, after so once we once you reach out to become financial literate, you'll understand that it takes flows of income to become what well, we say wealthy you know um you want to look at rich as being as momentary um rich is something you want wealth is something your family can have 
You know, like I ask people, how wealthy are you? Um, are you are you a day wealthy? Are you a, a week wealthy? Are you a month wealthy? Because however long you can live without working is how wealthy you are. That's a gem. You know, yeah. so and, and, and until you can say my whole family don't have to work. Then until what do you, then you feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so you have to really ask yourself, am I going for riches or am I going for wealth? And. When you start to create these um, different flows of income, believe it or not, as a black man, you naturally have million dollar ideas in your head because they eat up your culture. Mm. All you have to do is create it. Somebody will buy it. If, if you don't believe me, how you think FUBU came about? Or we can go back further. How you think the air conditioning came out? How you think the broom came out? How you think the ironing board came out? Like how you yeah. think the, the 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 light system came out? I, the pressing comb, yeah, the street yeah, lights. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the list goes on and on about the stuff a black person has created that has become worldly used. So when we think about that, you have to start asking yourself, what can I create that the world can use? You know, and my gift was actually being able to give math. So I have a tutoring company, um, and then. You ask yourself, well, how did other people become successful? A lot of times we get so captivated on our own and we don't want to read the text. I used to tell you anything you don't want a black person to know, put it in a book. Mm. So, And to me, it's still prevalent today because they don't even give you books anymore. Now everything's on the Internet, so you don't have – there's no editing. There's no control. It's just copy, paste, edit. So, therefore, you have to always research the research when you're on the Internet. But – when you start getting into books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, or uh, Think and Grow Rich, or you know what I mean, things of that, books of that nature, you start to realize that a lot of the things that you want in your life are actually just mental. It's energy. When you surround yourself with the right mindset, these things are attracted to you. It's the laws of attraction. You know, and a lot of people don't believe in things, but like I tell people all the time, whatever you believe in come true. The only reason a lot of people believed and um, were made it to college is because they believed they would be there. Uh, the, the only reason they made it to the NFL because they believed they would be there. You'd be like, well, other people believe they would be there. No, other people wanted to be there. It's a difference between believing in something because nobody can change your belief. Somebody can challenge your belief, but they can't change what you believe in. So, and it's, it has a lot to do with the spelling of the word B, I, and Eve before I, B. Break that down for me. Break that down for me. Was, uh, yeah, let's, talk, let's dive into that. So, when, when you think about believe, you know, you got the Eve, E-V-E, okay. the before. Okay. I is in the middle of that. Okay. So, lie, L-I, we rest before the Eve of what we're going to be. Just breaking mm. the word down. A lot of times it's the transliteration of words. We can go even deeper into entertainment, you know, because they always want us to be entertained. But you're entering entertainment. Mint means a permanent state. Tame means controlled. You've entered into that voluntarily. Hence the reason why when you're watching basketball game, nothing distracts you. Anything that happens during the time where you're watching basketball, you missed. Football, you missed. Why do you think they keep football on all day Sunday? It's the first day of, you, day of the week. You've entered entertainment. So I know from that day, Monday on, I got you hooked because you're talking about it Tuesday. You're playing fantasy football. You're doing this. Thursday, you're waiting on the game to come on. Don't let the basketball season be going on because now you're watching the games on Tuesday and Wednesday. You feel what I'm saying? Oh, they got you on NBA TV, but you wonder why you can't get nowhere. You're trapped inside of that box they call a television, but it's telling you a vision. Jeez, man. 
It's telling yeah, you what to see. Yeah. It's telling you how to act. It's telling you how to respond until we can voluntarily say, I don't want to be entertained. You know, until we say, well, I don't I don't want to see that until you control what comes inside of you. You won't be able to control what comes out of you. So this is the reason why a lot of people struggle, because all you do is watch struggle. You, you haven't changed the media that comes inside of you. You can't expect you can't expect someone who watches a dog fight every day. Just imagine on TV, you watching a dog fight every day, dog fight, dog fight, dog fight. You go outside, you get your dog. What you going to expect your dog to do? To fight. The exact same thing. The exact same thing. So now think about what's on television and what consumes people on television and then what they expect outside. Now look at your media. Look at the internet. Look at Instagram. Every third, when you message, 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 ad. Message, 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 ad. Every fourth one is an ad. If you look on Instagram right now, that's how I move. And what we don't realize is they're programming you. So now they're adjusting your attention span. So you wonder why these kids can't focus. Mm. Because you get it. They stop you from absorbing media after every three times. So when I get in class and I'm trying to teach you something, you're not getting it. Because you only read after three swipes, but you go through swipes like this. Yeah. yeah. So. It's, it's a systematic design. It's, a, it's an attack on you. So your financial literacy has a lot to do with your lack of math because math is money. However, they have a multitude of things now because it's 2020. We got to understand times has changed. Mm. And when, when you don't change with the time, it, I, well, I'll put it to you like this. Um, change is inevitable. It's, it's going to occur. You can get on the front end to change, ride the way to shore. Or you can get on the back end of change and get your ass washed ashore. But either way it go, that wave coming ashore. It's guaranteed. Guaranteed. So now when we look at other options, we think about, well, you look on the, um, Facebook. I'll use Facebook as an example because we're talking about social media. Um, and you'll see so many different opportunities for you to, um, hey, if you're you know, trying to make some money, da -da 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 -da, contact DM down below. And Ponzi schemes will come up. People will uh, play the little circles. You know, I'm putting my money in. I'm trying to get my name in the middle so I can get out. Of, but nobody asks themselves how the system work. Um, then when it comes to an opportunity, like an actual, like the foreign exchange market, um, a lot of people think about the foreign exchange market. And if me as a black person, I use myself as a black person, I have a white person right here. All right. Black person come and talk to Tom or John about the foreign exchange market. He got 40,000 questions. You know, you can answer the questions and he's still doubtful. Uh, I don't know. But let this white dude come. Talk to him about the same thing. Give him the same information. Less questions and more willing to get involved. Now, why is that? Well, you have to think about how it is in our community when we buy stuff every day. Black person, go to a white person, whatever price it is. Oh, thank you, sir. I appreciate you for the service. Go to the Mexican person. They buy something. Oh, man. Thank you, sir. Go to Asian. They hock the price up. You still buy it. Becoming a black person, first thing out your mouth is, can I get a hookup? Mm. And then when you don't give them a hookup, they badmouth your business. So we've been programmed. It's like the Willie Lynch letters. We have to deprogram. But once we deprogram, you can accept that Warren Buffett and all of these other people that made millions of dollars in, in um, 
trading, doing stocks or doing the foreign exchange market, you'll be able to understand that there are ways that you can be successful on your cell phone. And so one of the things that, that I do, um, because I never advertise things that I haven't done. I'm never going to tell anybody to do something that I haven't uh, participated in myself. And I've traded in the foreign exchange market um, probably for about two years now. Okay. And in that process, you know, I, I've made some pennies. Like, I'm not, you know, struggling or anything of that nature, you know what I mean? Um, it's consistency is the key. But what's evolved now is these binary options. And so where we're trading and we used to have to wait over a period of time for these certain numbers to get hit and for our profit. Now it's saying, is it going to be above the line or below the line in a minute or in two minutes? You know what I mean? Mm. So you may wager $10 and make $7 off that, off that uh, $10. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but you just made that in a minute. So we think about if you're sitting here trading for 30 minutes, you made $7 in a minute, you just made $210 in 30 minutes. And I don't care how what frequency you do the thirty minutes. If you would have every time you traded and and you did it for thirty minutes out of that day, you yeah. made two hundred and ten dollars. There's people that work eight hours a day and don't make two hundred and ten dollars. Wow. No, I hear you. Um, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. No. Wow. Um, let me ask you because I feel like this is important. This is an yeah. important point you touched on. Uh, this to get away from it. To get away from the programming and the social media and stuff like that, man. What kind of advice? Because um, I feel like I personally, I've had a good grasp of it. I, I, I've become tolerable to not looking at my phone, and I, I'm mm -hmm. able to disconnect from it when need be, especially during school. Uh, I find myself regularly, if not simply taking the app off my phone, more um, I'll just deactivate my account, get rid of it for a couple months here and there. Uh, what kind of? How do we? How do we get away from this stuff? Man? Um, I feel like it's important. One one thing we have to do is, uh, just like anything else, have a schedule. Okay. Um, it's something that it should occur every day where you have a um, – because a lot of people don't schedule their life. That's the reason why it's hard for us to get things accomplished. But when you really start scheduling time out and you'll be like, all right, from 6 to 8, I'm not going to have no media interaction. You know, just choosing a period of time of the day. And – what you'll start to do is your body will start yearning for the disattachment. The same way it yearns for you to watch that show when you watch it every day. You know, it's but it's 21 days to break a habit. I've heard that before. You know, I've heard that. Anything that you can do consistently for 21 days will become uh, everyday nature. Um, it's just yeah. it's just science. You know, it's almost like studying. You should never study longer than an hour and a half because after three hours, your brain forgets what it began at the beginning of that time period. Mm. Your maximum learning time is an hour and a half. You know what I mean? So you should take an hour break and then study for another hour and a half, an hour break, you know. And so I've created a study system in my um, tutoring company um, that I have my people use that's and I've given it to a lot of the students that come in the office. Yeah, that's, is this for students or is this this company? No, well, no, this, this my um, uh, um, tutoring company, me and my friend Lance, um, it's called Help, Help, Help to Educate and Learn Properly. Okay. Um, and what happened is, is I used to work for the PWI. Um, and while I was there, I got training to find out a lot of secrets about how the SAT worked, how the ACT worked, you know, the reasons why it seemed like they were always better at the test than we were. Well, they just knew the right time to take the test. You know, they just knew what information to focus on more. You know what I mean? So when I got that information, I, I knew it was my job, my due diligence to bring it back to us. 
you know. So um, that's how the tutoring company came about and being cheaper than the rest, you know, because I'm not in it for the money. I'm actually in it for you not to need me anymore. I'm not here to tutor you so I can be tutoring you for the rest of my life. I'm here to tutor you so I can teach you the skill of how to study. That way you can go on with the rest of your life. You know, so it, it, it's a difference, but it's definitely essential. And even in the tutoring company, we take up, we deal with mentoring, um, we deal with financial literacy, we deal with organizational skills. You know, the the whole nine, just really creating the student. You know, you have to be a lifelong learner because it's always going to be things you're going to need to learn in life, whether you're in school or not. And the foundation of those things are going to start with organization. The foundation of those things are going to start with structure, and that's with anything that you're trying to do in life. Mm. Yeah, I, I guess for me again, at twenty-two years old, this is this is kind of where everything's starting to come to fruition for me again. Uh, realizing what's important, self-care, like you touched on, financial literacy, like you touched on, all those different things. Um, let's see, um, and it's very important. I want to talk about teaching during the pandemic because I feel like that. Um, We'd love to get your thoughts on that because I I feel like for teachers, professors all together, we we harp on you guys in terms of, oh, you need to be teaching us in a certain way. You guys need to adjust how you guys are uh, teaching us. And I had a professor um, at UT this past semester who who said uh, teachers and professors need to learn how to teach remotely, but at the same time, the students must adapt as well. And I feel like that was powerful as well because what can students be doing um, in that same time frame to make the process like a little bit more smooth. So I guess, uh, how was it for you trying to adjust to the teaching online? And um... Yeah, well, um, teaching online is, is really me because I'm in that middle. Like, I'm the one of the youngest people in the math department. You know what I mean? I'm the, the um, only black American male in the math department, mm. you know. Um, but I'm in that middle age. A lot of the professors at the at the institution are in their 60s or, you know, somewhere around that area, 50s, 60s, and me being 35, 36, you know, so it's nothing. I grew up with Yahoo Chat, you know what I mean? Like, so um, teaching on the Internet, to me personally, I I can't – I can do me, but I can't do me to the best of my ability because me, the way I teach, I'm you know, I'm theatrical. You know, I'm going to put on the show, you know, like because I have to keep you engaged, you know what I mean? But on even when I'm teaching online, I notice that these kids ain't even out to bed. Hmm. You know what I mean? They, they're, not even, they're not even sitting in a listening learning position. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? So you, you have yeah. to conceptualize no, that. I was one of those cats, man. I'm yeah. not even lie. Yeah. So, it's and, hard. So when teaching online, what, what I realized was, one, you have to make people understand the importance of why you're here. And, and as a professor, you have to engage, like literally get to know, understand why this person always come in late. Everybody got a life going on. A lot of times professors get so wrapped up into their research. A teaching is not an eye job. Mm. Let's just put that out there. Teaching is not an eye job, meaning that you can't be a teacher and say that I want to do research. No, you're not going to be an effective teacher. Because your intention is not on these kids. It's on your research. You know, and so and when we get to these institutions and as you move up to these tier one, tier two schools, yeah. you'll find out, like, you have a, a professor who has six TAs, 
you know, for one class, he's teaching a class of 150, 200 kids. There's no way that he can get to know these 200 kids to effectively teach them. So all he's doing is disseminating information. This is the reason why he say, but we need to be on the Internet because I can disseminate information on the Internet. I don't need to be here present to scroll and click. You get what I'm saying? But if you actually want somebody to learn something, you notice that the higher you go up when you get into your uh, major, um, the classes are a lot smaller. Yes. Yes. Uh, they're, They're a lot smaller because they actually want you to learn that. So everything else is the weed out process. So that's the reason why I kind of love my HBCU, because that's one of the things you probably noticed was the class size 100%. Was, was completely different. Transitioning from there to UT and being in classes full of 300, 400, uh, definitely. Yeah. And I, uh, that, uh, for me, I guess what was so significant is, again, how homey and how personal yeah. and how intimate you can be with a professor, man. That's definitely something I uh, I miss as I transition to uh, UT, um, for you specifically, you you touched on it, man. You you weren't able to essentially be yourself, and I think yeah. that's what's so powerful about and why again why I appreciate you being here. Why I took so much away from your class specifically, and why I valued uh, your time, your energy that you put in that class is because being someone who wasn't too fond of ma- uh, too fond of math, excuse me, you were able to not only relay. Uh, the importance of math, but also weigh the importance of society and being educated and being informed on yeah. all issues. So I guess for you to not be able to do that to the full extent online, um, where did transition a little bit? Where, where did that come from as far as your teaching style and being uh, very, being, tra- being very transparent with your students? And um, Personally, me personally in my life, I'm a transparent person. Okay. And I think that comes from losing everything at a young age. You know, by, like I say, by the time I was five, daddy dead, sister dead, mother locked up. You feel what I'm saying? So I ain't got nothing to hide. You know what I mean? I was I used to lie a lot as a kid, but my uncle beat my behind and got all that out of me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so it got to a point where I got was like, well, I'd rather tell you the truth. Cause I ain't taking no more whoopings, you know what I mean. So, but that became like my mantra, kind of how I live. Like, I'm if I'm strong enough to lie to you, I'm definitely strong enough to tell you the truth. So, mm-hmm. then once I got older and I went to college, I started realizing the professors I didn't like. And when I was probably a junior in college, I realized that I wanted to like be a professor. And so I started teaching in high school. I started at like um, Galveston Ball High School. And working with high school kids, they're entertaining. You know what I mean? Like, their attention span is like that. So that's the first thing that taught me that you can't just teach math for 50 minutes. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to have to teach math for, like, 10 minutes. We're going to have to talk about life or something else, come back, do some math again, because this is how y'all learn. A lot of times they're forcing you to learn in a way that you're not accustomed to. Therefore, you will never learn. You know, so I learned to adjust to the student. And then I went down from high school, I went to, like, alternative schools. So now I'm dealing with, like, second chance kids that got ankle bracelets, been like, you know, last chance type of students that you can't teach them regular. You can't tell them John climbed Mount Kilimanjaro that was 4,000. No, you're going to have to say John has six pounds. Mm. He broke those pounds with four of his partners. 
how much green does everybody have? The crazy part about it is they can find that answer faster than they can find the answer on the star test, which lets you know that they're human calculators. It's just how you ask the question. So then that becomes, well, how am I teaching? So then you start altering the way that you teach to better service your students. So I went from there to middle school. So now I'm teaching seventh grade. So seventh grade are the worst kids in life. Like, <laughs> hands down, worst kids. Because they're in the middle of life. 100%. The middle of middle school, they don't know if they want to be a baby, want to be grown. Mm. So when you're dealing with them, you have to have a, a tenderness. You got to be soft, but you can't be too soft because they're going to run over you. That's when they try to act like they grown. You know what I mean? So you almost have to be gentle with the way that you teach, but still be stern with what you expect. Mm-hmm. So now you take all that experience and you go to the college classroom. That's what I bring to the college classroom. You're comfortable as if you're in a seventh grade class. However, our conversations are on some 12th grade to college level conversations. But the math that I'm teaching you is right in the middle, 19th grade math. Just because they put college on it don't mean that you ain't learning this in the 19th grade. <laughs> So, and that was my thing, to make you understand that don't worry about college, just know that it's algebra and that you can do it. Mm -hmm. And then realize that we created math. Like, black person created math. It was the Boshango stick, which was one of the first sticks that they found, which is how it was the first original ruler. And it was used during a bartering system, how they used to barter. Um, I got six cows. You got this many chickens. That's type, So we can trade in, um, in that sense. Um, this Boshango stick was found in, in Africa in, in what we were called, uh, they called Babylon, in, you know, in the text. But this is where this first stick was found. And the first stick didn't have zero on it because... If you don't have nothing to trade, why would you be here? Zeros was created after the numbers. Okay. That's why we have natural numbers, then whole numbers. You know, and I can go into a whole spill and explain to you how, like, the numbering system is actually just a slave trade retold. You know what I mean? Being able to tell stories in a way that somebody attached to them to the point where everywhere they go they see math because math is everywhere. And that's where you have to be a teacher. It's almost like if I was an English teacher, everywhere that you went, I would want you to see the poetry in motion. I would want you to see the literature in motion. But math is universal. I can write a math problem here. A Chinese person walking here, they'll understand it. Arabic person walking here, they'll understand it. African person walking here, they'll understand it because math is a universal language. However, they taught us not to like the universal language. So once again, they've taken something that we've created it, manipulated, destroyed it, and fed it back to us the same way they did Christianity. Woo! They don't want me to talk on here. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man, I do. Hey, I do, man. No, nah, um, man, uh, jeez, uh, the I'm happy you brought you. I'm happy you you're uh, expressing how how openly and how important math is altogether, man, and I. I guess did you always want to? Did you always foresee yourself being a math professor as opposed to English or science? Math or? was my. That was how I was uh, controlled. Believe it or not, um, I was one of those kids that used to always finish their work fast. And yeah. once I finished my work, I'd be considered a uh, your your kid's. A, he's a good kid. He just talks too much, you know. Because I'm about to talk to everybody, mess with everybody, and all that. Once I finish my work, so what my uncle did, he would bring this big old folder. He had this big old folder 
um, that used to have math problems in it, in a big old like math books. And so he'd tell the, student, the teacher, well, give him, a, give him a math worksheet, you know, once he finishes work okay. and had to keep him. So I was doing, I was doing algebra and, and geometry like in the sixth, seventh grade. You know what I mean? Like just off the stuff that my uncle was giving me. I was tutoring college kids at the age of 14. You know, like it's a gift. I don't, you know what I mean? Like I honestly believe that it's a gift. Um, and then when I, when I did my numerology, because I, I believe in a, the study of numbers, I found out that I'm a 33-6. Um, and 33-6 is like these 11, 22, and 33 are your master numbers. Okay. And 33 is a master teacher. So it like directly aligns with who I am. You know, it's only 2% of the people in the world that's a 33-6. These people are like your Martin Luther Kings, your Dalai Lamas. Like that's the type mm. of impact they have on the world. So that's why I'm not surprised by, you know, the um, the effect that I'm causing. I just didn't, at first when I read it, I didn't believe it. But once I understood it, it allowed me to see what was already occurring. Like I've always, I've always had an effect on people, but I never allowed myself to see it because I'm not in it for me. You feel what I'm saying? I'm more so just be ecstatic that, man, you got it. You know what I mean? The man, hey, you passed. You know, like, mm. it's not about me, you know, because I, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. I'm just passing through. You know what I mean? Like, it's reasons and seasons. Ecclesiastes 3 and 1, one of the best books you can read in the Bible um, so you can understand time and place. And everything happens when it's supposed to happen. And that we don't control time. Man made hours. God made night and day. Yahweh, uh, uh, whatever name you want to use for your relationship, he made night and day. And there's no way that you can tell me that every day has 24 hours in it if December 23rd is the uh, shortest, um, December 24th is the the longest, uh, the shortest day of the year. If December 24th is the shortest day of the year, that means we got to have the longest day of the year, which is right before the spring equinox. So... These two let us know off the muscle is more than 24 hours in a day. However, we allow the social construct to control us and box us in. Not realizing that 24 is just two fours. Fours are just the corners of a wall. So you put two walls on top of each other, those dimensions that you live in. Man, I guess what I'm taking from all this is I feel like, like you said, almost like a calling for you. Yeah. Math, right. So. And what I'm just listening to you speak on it, uh, what I'm taking away from it is that, like, you, you say math is everywhere, and but you, break, you breaking it down for me, man, it, it's really becoming, like, prevalent that it, it that's exactly what it is, yeah. man. And I almost feel like I've taken math for granted, man, because uh, being in journalism, I haven't, uh, I, I, I had your math class, and I haven't taken math since, and I, I don't know. But you use math every day. 100%. Yeah, because... And I don't even know it. You add words to make sentences. You add those sentences to make paragraphs. You know what I mean? Every essay you ever wrote was a mathematical composition. Mm. You know what I mean? It's just we don't see the numbers in it because if it would be different if they would have gave you the original text. Like, I'm going to blame religion, I promise you, because when you grew up, how often did you go to church? Uh, rarely. Actually. Rarely. Yeah. Okay, rarely, rarely went to church. However, did you know about the text? Like, did you know about the Bible? No. Didn't know about the Bible? Not until I openly pursued uh, the information. Okay, cool. So, in that same sense, when you got the text, when, whenever you received the text, at that time, it was only words. Like, yes. it was English language you can read. Yes. The original, the original Bible was written in Paleo-Hebrew text. This Paleo-Hebrew text is Old Ancient Hebrew. Old Ancient Hebrew is numbers and letters. This is why we get the Da Vinci Code from the Bible. 
from the Bible. If they would have told you that these numbers are all, these letters are also numbers, you will already have a mathematical tie into it because you have been looking for sequences or patterns in these numbers. That would have been the first thing you tried to decode was let me find out what number this letter is and what other message is beneath this. But when we don't start you there, you got to understand, you grew up with the Internet. Yes. You didn't have dial-up. Did you have dial-up? No, I don't know what that is. Exactly. <laughs> I had AOL. Doo, doo, doo. Your whole computer started rumming and humming. You know what I mean? Wake up the whole house, try to get on in the middle yeah. of the night. You know what I mean? I grew up ha- having to deal with rejection. And all this is going to tie, tie back to Matt. Deal with rejection, sure. meaning going to talk to a female and having her tell me no. Mm. Y'all slide in the DMs. Y'all send messages you never have to deal face-to-face. It's the reason why you don't know how to communicate. So now we take the same person who don't know how to communicate to put them in a classroom and don't know how to communicate what you don't know. This is the reason why they can't learn. And then you got a teacher that's teaching the subject that they don't want to teach because nine times out of ten, the teacher that's teaching you math don't even have a degree in it in high school or in middle school. Yeah, they got a certification, but they don't have a degree. Yeah, you certified, but are you qualified? These are the problems in which you have, but there's nothing you can do about it because that's what you grew up in. We are products of our environment until we change our environment. No, it's it's good to hear you say that because I, for often t- more times than not, I'll look at myself and be like, man, why am I not grasping that concept for any subject, yeah. not just math? Uh, why am I not getting this? Why am I not understanding this to the full the fullest extent? And I, I almost uh, I start to blame myself. Maybe I'm not working hard enough, or maybe I'm not. Uh, Maybe I'm not spending enough time outside of the classroom applying these information to uh, applying that information uh, to me in the studies. But um, I'm a big fan of Arian Foster. Man, he also had a podcast, and he ha- he has a message: um, education lights a fire, doesn't fill a bucket. Uh, yeah, have you ever heard that saying or anything? But and I I agree with them. My my kind of interpretation of that is we're getting the tools, but that's it. It's simply we get the tools, but I don't feel like we're learning how to apply those tools and how to, yeah, essentially how to use those tools to apply to other real-life situations. I feel like that's what the disconnect. We, yeah, the application actually comes through desire. Okay. Like a lot of people learn stuff because they have to learn it, not because they want to learn it. If you want to learn it, you're going to apply it because you want it to learn it. It's almost like you with this podcast. You may not have known nothing about nothing when you first had the idea about doing a podcast. But as you desired to want to know more, you learned it and you applied it. Application is about desire. So until we get to a place where we want to learn, a lot of people don't want to learn. They want to know. Mm. It's a difference. Break that down for me. The difference in those two. Learning. Learning is the process. Okay. Knowing is... After the process, that's what you've absorbed after going through the process. Everybody wants to absorb. Nobody wants to go through the process. It's like everybody wants the riches, but don't nobody want to struggle to get the riches. We want to rush the process. Exactly. So, therefore, when you get to a spot to apply it, you can't because you didn't learn it. You just know it. No, I 100% agree with you. Um, I guess for me, uh, sort of this idea that we learn the information, we take the quiz, and then we move to the next thing. I don't know if that sort of, for me, has always been kind of, that's kind of been my calling card for why, maybe it's an excuse, why I'm not learning the information. Maybe we're we're quick to jump from one topic to the next, and 
obviously there are reasons for that, mm-hmm. but that's kind of where I feel like for me that's where I've. Uh, that's that's not how you learn. See, you have to understand that you aren't them. You aren't them. Yeah. Meaning that if you were to go back into Africa before they brought us over here, you would see us learning through stories. We sit down and we had stories that was passed down and passed down from, from ancient, ancient time, you know what I mean? And we sat around in, in these circles with our feet connected, transferring energy. Because we understood how information was passed. When we learned the skill, we started teaching the skill through application. We weren't saying there's a lion out there. I drew a picture of the lion on the wall. They didn't draw a bush and say, we're going to hide behind the bush, draw a stick man, put him over here. That wasn't a move. No, fam, we're going to go out here and see this lion. And y'all look how I hide behind this bush. Get over here, get behind the bush. Now that I taught you, you need to go on a pilgrimage. And you don't come back to the village until you got your dead lion. So you see what I'm saying? You're learning different. They took you from your land and forced you to learn like them. Hence the reason why they have you sitting in rows and columns because that's what the Greeks used were rows and columns. But anybody will tell you that we learn more in a circle because in church what you do, hold hands and get in a circle. Mm. When, when you was at school and you played with kids, everybody held hands we got in a circle. We only got in lines when they wanted to march us somewhere. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. When we get rid of the social construct of how they expect us to learn and allow a child to learn how they want to learn, for example, all children don't like to sit in the seat. So why don't you let that child lay on the floor? Why don't you let that child sit on top of the desk? Let, let that child sit however they need to sit to absorb the information they need to absorb. But we try to control so much. You can't control how somebody learn. Mm. Everybody different. You know what I mean? It's, and it's prime example. You got, you got guppies. You got goldfish. You got sharks. You got seahorses. You got otters. All of them different creatures, but they all know how to swim. And everybody swim different. But they all learned the skill to swim. What's happening is you got teachers that's trying to teach all five different species the same way to fish. I mean the same way to swim. Mm. I couldn't agree with you more. I so really couldn't. That's the reason why two of y'all understand it, two of y'all don't care, and one person just lost. Mm. No, I, I 100% agree with you. Um Kind of going back to the importance of again how the, what your teaching style and that you brought up how sort of the the contrast between HBCUs and uh, um, your PWIs mm-hmm. essentially is for me the things I noticed that intimacy small classrooms like you brought up um, why is that why is that small class so important why is that so necessary to have a productive learning environment um i guess let's think about you ever played the game telephone mm. what well you sit we sit down it's been a while okay <laughs> first person asks a message send it put it in your ear and you post tell it to the next person and go all the way in and we see if we get the same message at the end that we started at the beginning with yeah all right do it with two people you'll get the same message back i guarantee you Mm. Do it with 30 people. It's a whole new message at the end. So what I'm expressing to you is when we start traveling longer, we start allowing for bigger breaks in the chain to occur. Mm. These little gaps start to add up and make a big gap to the point where the message is lost. 
So now when you talk about teaching a child, when it's 15 kids, I can teach a lesson. I got time to go and work with each student to make sure they got an understanding. Everybody on the same page, we can move forward. The chain is never broken. But when I got 300 kids, only people I really can talk to is the people in the front row. And I really can't even see these people up there, so I don't know their name. I can't call them out if I see them off task. I, so all I do is disseminate information. So I look at, I give it to you like this. Um, the smaller the classroom, the better you can reach. The larger the classroom, the more the students can reach. Mm. I mean, the students going to have to reach for that knowledge. They're going to have to go and try to obtain that. They got to fight for it because they're going to have to stop them from talking and ask the questions where if it's a small classroom, like I used to tell you all the time, you ain't got to say nothing. I can see it on your face. I can see your body posture and tell that you didn't get this concept, so I already know what I need to do. But as a teacher, as, as me, I've developed systems for those type of scenarios, you know, like a one, two, three, four system. Like um, It's like the four levels of learning, I call it. First level of learning is ignorance. You don't know nothing about it. Okay. You know what I mean? Second level of learning is retardation, like retarded. Now, people don't understand. Retarded just means slow to learn. We slow to, we've been retarded at everything we did from your edge up to, you know what I mean, tying your <laughs> shoes. Like, we all been retarded, right? Yeah. Then the, the third step is knowledge, meaning I got it, but I need help because, like you say, application. Yeah. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. That's the fourth level. So, Every time after I get finished teaching a concept, a lot of kids don't like to say out loud whether they know something or not, so I just ask them to hold up their finger. You know, so yeah. one, two, three, four, nine. A class of 300, that's fine, but I will see a majority mm-hmm. of that class. If I see ones and twos, I need to reteach. It's something I did that created the disconnect. I want threes. I want everybody to know it. If I see fours... They already had prior knowledge to it, or I did a great job because yeah. how do they already know how to apply something that they just learned? Yeah, you see what I'm saying? So That's systems cool. like that, and an effective teacher is going to have systems and ways to evaluate their students to um, get a understanding for what they learned and what they didn't learn. Yeah, and you have to understand. And one of the biggest issues that you have, especially with the uh, big institutions, is they're teaching to a schedule. They're not teaching to the student. Mm. You know, whereas at Prairie View. Yeah, it may say I'm supposed to cover 1.1 to 1.3 uh, today. But we got to 1.2 and got jammed up. Well, fam, I'm not about to force 1.3 down your throat. Mm. I'm about to make sure you understand 1.1 and 1.2. We hit 1.3 next time. We get them when we get them. You see what I'm saying? What's you don't have that flexibility because you're teaching to, <clears throat> you're teaching to a schedule. You're not teaching to a student. And that's one of the differences with Prairie View because Prairie View is a teaching institution. If you look at the seal, it'll say teaching first before research. Mm. And that's the difference between uh, UT because UT is a research institution. And you'll see research before teaching mm. on their seal. I hear a lot of what you're saying. I, I, for me, uh, I try to tell people, man, when I – because I, I, always, I always hesitate to discuss uh, why I left Prairie View and stuff like that because – the the school spirit of the school is so is so immersive and uh, I almost feel like I'm I almost feel like I'm giving someone um, I'm telling I don't know if it's disrespectful or not for me to be like oh man this is why I left I wanted m- more resources yeah. I, I wanted to uh, and that's simply what it was I wanted change um, I my family I have a lot of family members that went to Prairie View and I for me I'm always about trying to forge my own path and when I break it down to people and I tell them like 
I wanted to make my own path, man. I, I wanted to do more. I almost feel like, again, I'm hesitant to discuss these things with people who are still enrolled in Prepy because yeah. I don't know how they look at it because, uh, well, again. When you say, um, first, my issue, and I, I don't really just have an issue, it's just really just knowing the history of the three first schools in Texas. Prairie View, Texas A&M, and UT. Yes. Black people can go to Texas A&M and couldn't go to UT. Um, UT was a white-only school. Yep. Texas A&M was a boys-only school. Texas A&M had, um, they had a president. Prairie View only had a principal. The president of Texas A&M was also the president over Prairie View. It's the same thing that's going on today now in the Texas A&M system. Um, but knowing that history, this is the reason why I never wanted to go to UT or wanted to go to Texas A&M. Because if you wouldn't accept my ancestors, why would you accept the brilliance that comes from their kids? See, I look at it as we allow all these other institutions to take our great black minds. And the main reason in which y'all wish our great minds leave, because those schools can offer you more. But what are they programming you? Because a lot of the, and I have a couple of friends that came out of uh, UT or came out of uh, prestigious um, um, PWIs. And what I can tell you is they, their interaction with their own people is quite different mm. than those who um, went to schools with, with their own. And that's not a positive or a negative. It's just something that I, I've observed. Um, and... One of the benefits that we have and that we'll find out as being educated by your own is you get to realize that what is the weakness and the strengths of your people. Mm. And because when you get out of school, that's who you're going to be trying to help is your people. Of course. So it's almost like a, a black man dating a white woman telling you that he, he's all about black power. Well, no, you're not. It's impossible. You can have the views and the ideas, but your actions don't match up to what you're saying. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and that's just my view of the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so there's thirty thousand other viewpoints about it. But what I'm saying is, is that holistically, I got I got accepted to a lot of other institutions. I chose Prairie View. Of course. You see what I'm saying? I chose Tennessee State. Um, I never wanted to go to another school where we weren't the majority. Because I love my people. I love the submersion of my people. I, I always knew that whatever they had at the other institution, nine times out of ten, we'll have it too if. I can learn how to operate that system on my own, but if I'm not going to go and get that piece of paper, I'm going to make them respect this preview degree. See, and that's, that's, you know what I mean? It's, it's that type of energy, you know what I mean? Yeah. And everywhere I go, that's the bravado that I have where, yeah, I may not have crossed the stage that you crossed. I may not have joined the organization that you joined. But what I'm going to tell you is that I can do anything that you can do or probably better. Because one thing I can tell you, Prairie View prepares you for is life. 100% agree. And if, like I tell people all the time, if you can make it through Prairie View, you can make it anywhere. That's the reason why you ain't having no problems at UT. I agree. Because you never, made it I never thought about it like that. Yeah, yeah, you're like, oh man, my money come fast and all this stuff. I understand, right? But when it was the worst of the worst, we was at Prairie View when you was trying to make it and you made it. So now you go here at UT. Oh, it's thirty three hundred kids. That's cool. I know how to make it. 
Mm. I made it when there was only 14 of us. I made it when there was only, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's um, it's that type of energy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So don't 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 look at it like that. What it, what you're doing is like when I decided to go work for PWIs. You learn the game and bring it back to your people. Mm. You learn what they're doing. You bring it back to your people because that's how the game is played. Because what did they come and do? They learned how we enslaved our own people and then enslaved us. Mm. No, nah, man, that's a beautiful. I've never thought of it that way. Um, <clears throat> and uh, again, man, just having you here and uh, again, wanting to again have you on here and then um, as well as just the appreciation I have for my time at Prairie View. I always tell people uh, I I wouldn't change my journey or yeah. any, any way, nothing or nothing about it, because uh, like you said, it's prepared me for the man I am today. And uh and I would definitely would hope to start the game I'm getting now from the PWI. I would love to apply that back to my community and people surrounding me. Um, let me see if there's anything else I want to hit on, man. We've we've unpacked a lot, man. Oh, Again, yeah. I appreciate the game and the knowledge, man. That's really why I wanted to have you on here. Um, oh, okay. Um, Cheerleading, man. Uh, yeah. We talked about that. Yeah, break that down for me, man. Because uh, high school, college, uh, I'll set, set the stage. Uh, high school, college, man, this is actually out of the many uh, lessons and things you, all the game you provide, all the gems you provide to your students, man, I'm eternally grateful, man. I hope, I hope from out of this uh, podcast, man, we build a stronger uh, mentorship relationship. Um, but, yeah, that was one of the things that stood out to me, man. And the, your reasoning for um, – for choosing that endeavor and being a cheerleader could you break that down because i feel like uh obviously now in this in current society we're more accepting we're more uh we're able to and we're inclusive yeah. in, a, in an extent we, we're, we're practicing it and obviously back then i couldn't imagine the stigma or anything around uh, it man so please oh, break yeah, it down it man was, this is one of the i've been one of this story um break high school um actually i uh went to high tower high school yeah. And I played football, and it's like third game, third quarter, three minutes left. I still remember like it was yesterday. Yeah. And uh, I told the coach, coach, like, college, go in. I was like, no, nah, I'm done. <laughs> I was like, I'm done. It's like, what you mean? You, I, done. I was like, man, I play tight end. Y'all don't pass the ball. It's like I'm a glorified lineman. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, this is the conversation I'm having with the coach on the sideline. You know what I mean? So I walk in. I take my pants off. Like, I, I walk in. Like, I'm done. Um, I was cool with some of the cheerleaders, and they was like, man, like, we need a mascot. Now, I've always been a class clown. Like, I've yeah. always been a person pushing against the locker, jokes, and all that type of stuff. So I'm like, bet. You know what I mean? Like, I give it a shot. Yeah. So um, I did the little, they had little trials, and this is back when Hey Now You're All-Star. You know that song? Okay. Yeah, yeah, was yeah. on, did a little, ba uh, little baseball skit with the cheerleaders, man. They loved it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So... Mascot, you know, so I got the title mascot. So <laughs> walking around with this mascot suit on, man, and I went to camp, like they chilling camp. Okay, you know what I'm saying, and I went to camp, and I was the only black male at the camp. Huh. And at this time, it was like it was mind blowing, you know, to be like the only male here. But yeah. the women loved me. The girls loved me. I was like, uh. 
<laughs> this is interesting. You know what I mean? So uh, my senior year, I retired from all sports. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, I was it, was, it was time. It yeah, was like I, I, I ain't doing nothing. I'm just going to school. Um, then I went to Tennessee State first. I had a, um, I got accepted into like an engineering program. Um, well, not engineering program, but like a summer bridge program. Okay. Um, I was in the honors program up there. Um, I was my original major was math and physics. That was, that was my original major, and I went up there and I went to this party, and they kind of got like we got the veal. Yeah. It, it had the party like at the apartments, and these line of girls walk in. And they was like the baddest girls at the party. Of course. Of course. So me and my homeboy, he from Louisiana, I'm from Texas, and uh, we sitting outside afterwards chopping it up. And they walk up on us like, uh, "Hey, y'all want to be? Y'all want to be a cheerleader?" And I'm like, "Cheerleader? Like what y'all do? Well, we travel and we this and we that. Yeah. We can help you with your housing and all this. And well, being from out of state, help me with my housing. That's spot on. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. man. So needless to say, I, I was like, "Yeah, I'll do it." Um, they, they had me in a co-ed dorm, you know what I mean, Hell Hall, and um, it was when I realized that cheerleading was actually a sport, like, you know mm. what I mean, like, as far as we got up at four in the morning, we were running, mm. um, had Yale practice, had stunt practice, then, you know, had cheer practice, at, like, tenacious, like, and we, the games was practice, because we was preparing for competitions, you see what I'm saying, okay. but... The um the camps, like, when I went to camp in college, it was crazy. It was more black dudes. Of course, it was more black males. But okay. like you were saying, as far as the um the homosexuality, um, yeah, it was people on my squad that was, um you know, that, that fell into that category. But it was nothing that I, you know, I had deal with people, oh, you must be because— like, no, nah, like yeah. I tell you, I, I, and I can tell dudes all the time, like I would rather be putting my hands on a girl's behind than be touching shoulders with you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And if your girlfriend is a cheerleader, then you know I didn't fail to ask. You know what I mean? Like, let's just be you be real about yeah, it, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? So when um I loved being around females, like that's, you know, yeah, and I didn't course. see nothing wrong with that. And, you know, and you help him get dressed and they look at you as brother and all that type of stuff. So it was a beautiful relationship back at that time. Mm. And when I came to Prayer View, that was actually the way that I was able to get in because um, they had a cheerleading squad and I was pretty good from Tennessee State. They saw us. We had played each other that year. Okay. And they had remembered me from, you know, the from the cheerleading um, thing we had and, she was like, yeah, like, I'll get you in. So she got me in. I was staying in the phases on somebody's sofa in room 412. I was couch man. Uh, man, like, for real. And actually, the um, my uh, fiancé now, she was the captain of the cheerleading squad okay. when I got to Prairie View. Okay. And, um, yeah, and I got her when I was 21. So a little mm. bit right young then, we've been together ever since. So I guess how know. did it help you as far as uh, your eloquence and being able to uh, – because I, 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 rem yeah. I remember you uh, hinting on that as well. We're running a little short on time. But, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, how it helped you improve your communication skills and how – because that's what stuck well, to me. Like, well, yeah, because um, cheerleading, you, one, you have to learn how to talk, how to enunciate. Like uh, my, my coach used to tell us, baloo, baloo. It's not blue. Because when you say blue, 
you go and say it through a megaphone, it's going to sound like you blew something, you know, like mm-hmm. B-L-E-W. It's not going to sound like B-L-U-E. So you got to enunciate the letters when you speak. I remember so, you talking about this. Right, yeah. so T, T, tip of the tongue. T, T, tip of the tongue. So what it did was help me to speak clearly. Mm-hmm. This is the reason why anybody can hear me when I speak. Because I enunciate every syllable in the word when it's time for me to speak correctly. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So learning that and learning how to be uh, gentler, meaning when I say gentle, meaning being able to communicate with somebody about your views, even though y'all may not be of the same sexual orientation, y'all can still be cool. Mm. You know what I mean? And not assuming that, oh, since you like dudes, then you're going to be trying to hit on me. No, like you need to have confidence in yourself. He has confidence in who he is, and we can co-mingle and do whatever, hang out like homeboys, whatever. Because mm. what you do behind closed doors is what you do. And that's always been my mindset. You know, my biggest thing with my friends is for you to be happy. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to do any of that. And it's really a level of accepting people to be who they are. It's one of the biggest things that I tell people who call themselves Christians. Um, Jesus was acceptance. His biggest things was acceptance. But y'all judge people every day. Yep. You know what I mean? So it don't line up. You know what I mean? But it's not their fault. You know what I mean? That's how they were taught the religion. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, but it's just a system. Like I say, it goes back to the very first thing I told you, a systematic design mm. uh, for why people view people the way they are. It's because they fear it. People fear what they don't understand because they used to didn't even allow you to have tampons on commercials. Like the commercials on TV, you, you never saw a tampon commercial on TV when I was growing up. Mm. You know what I mean? But now... They're prevalent. You know what I mean? You would never see a, a, a homosexual on television. But now it's prevalent. You know, but one of the biggest things, and I'll end with this, is we got to get into the right books. Um, the ISIS Papers by Francis Chris Wilson, um, Stolen Legacy, so you can understand that the Greeks stole everything from us, perverted, and gave it back to us. Um, the uh, the black I call it the Black Bible. You can look it up. It's, it's called the Black Compilation of the, you know, woo 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 but the Black Bible. Um, well, it'll explain to you the greatness is in our women mm. and the black and the black women. The black woman is the only woman that can create every race. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, even though the Bible may have told you that man came first, ain't no way because the woman come first in everything and man come from a woman. So you got to understand that it's a lot of male chauvinism in the Bible. Yeah. Hence the reason why it's, they got they got all these laws for women, but the man changed all the way through the text. Mm. It's, it's it's just a lot of things that we really have to indulge into. Um, Nico Tesla told us three sixes and nines. Everything ru- rules by three sixes and nines. Two plus four is 24 hours. It still add back to six. You know what I mean? We can take a uh, rotation, 180 degrees. One plus eight is nine. You know, 360, three plus six is nine. 720, like everything, it, it all goes back to three sixes and nines. Okay. The triangle is three sides. It's the most strongest shape in nature. You see what I'm saying? Like, when we really sit down and start to think about these things, the answers to, to the questions that we have is already out here. Seek Word. and ye shall find. Word. Seek and ye shall find. So a lot of times we need to stop seeking through the Internet and start seeking through a textbook. Stop seeking through a person and start seeking through adventure. You know what I mean? And life is what's life going to be. Like, stop trying to go against the grain. Life is a sine wave. It's going to be ups and downs. It's going to be ups and downs. Ride the wave. I promise you. Life don't feel as good as if you ain't never had pain. Pain don't feel that bad if you've already experienced joy. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Everything is temporary. 
I don't care what you're going through. You could be in the greatest moment of your life. It's temporary. Worst moment of your life is temporary. Moments. If you haven't, I want you to take the time. Go read Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Please, any books, man. I'll, Ecclesiastes I'm going to double back three. in every yeah. book you done recommended, man. Chapter 3, um, verse 1, and just go from there. Proverbs. I will. Proverbs. Proverbs. Pro mean before, verb mean action. So before you do anything, you should read the book of Proverbs. Mm. These two books game you up. Game you up to, and it kind of mold you in a way that you kind of want to carry yourself. <clears throat> because the wisdom that you need going to come from Proverbs. The patience that you need going to come from Ecclesiastes. Right. The understanding the time, it'll help you understand your process in this journey and what you got going on that you, you don't need to rush nothing. Be patient with the process. Right. Enjoy the ups, enjoy the downs, enjoy the struggles because when you get to where you made it, that's what you're going to look back to appreciate how you got there. Mm. Man, Professor Collins, man. Uh, look, man, I, I wanted to have you on for a reason, man. And you more than... Uh, more than gracious with your time, man, and I appreciate you, man. Anytime, all the gems, man. all the game you done provided me, man. It, it really brings me back to when I was a student of yours, <laughs> man. And I, man, I, I def again, I valued that experience. Uh, one of the highlights of being a Prairie View Panther, man. Yeah, well, I'll be at uh, I'm at Prairie View right now. I'll be starting my PhD next year at uh, Texas State. That, appreciate it in math education. So uh, definitely, man, I'm working on a book. Called, uh, how, oh, to teach, I, I how to that. teach us? I need that, man. Uh, <laughs> oh man, need so, that one. Uh, but definitely, man. I got a lot of a uh, lot of things going on, man. And I'm here right. for you. I, I look at myself as a resource. One of the biggest people. Um, one of the thing, biggest things people can do to help other people is be a resource. Right. So whatever I got that you need, holler at me. I'll be more than happy to give it to you. Get you to it. Word. Definitely. I appreciate that, man. Uh, Franks and Collins. One last thing before we uh, end this up, man. Uh, I don't know if you noticed the shirt I'm wearing. Um, I want to. Can we pull that up? Um, it's a. The shirt says Marco Morner. Um, I, I might be mispronouncing his last name, man. But uh, he was actually my best friend at Prairie View, and he was also a student in the same class, man. He uh, actually passed away um, in a car accident that spring semester, so March. Um, so right after we uh, left your class, man. But uh, this guy, a best friend of mine at Prairie View, and also um, I think we have another image with a just a. He was in my finite class. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm happy you remember that. Yes, yeah. sir. Him and uh, a guy named Kiro. Those are my yeah. guys. Man. I remember, I, that name. Yeah, those are my guys, man. That's him right there. Um, yeah. Yeah, he passed away in March uh, of 2017, so about three years from ago. Um, but, yeah, definitely want to shine light on that. Um, best friend of mine. We lived in the same building. We took the class together. We'd, we'd go home after, after the lecture and try to <laughs> apply these concepts and uh, practice the practice that web sign yeah. so uh yeah man just want to shout him out his his mother is a very good person she she's always checking in on me so want to give that opportunity to speak to him yeah. directly man but professor collins man it's been an honor man um if anything i i started this podcast to grow my relationship with people like you man and uh again use you as a resource man and i i can't thank you enough for being there man thank Anytime, you man. you're more than welcome brother i will thank you welcome.